You're listening to Embolden Adventures. I'm Sarah, and welcome to the podcast. Hello, listeners and adventurers. Welcome to another episode of the Embolden Adventures podcast show. Embolden Adventures, be emboldened. Embolden Adventures is meant to inspire you to travel, to get out there, to explore, to learn. Let Embolden Adventures encourage you to take those steps to experience the world. Follow along on the adventure. Visit the website at emboldenadventures.com. Sign up for email updates on new content and ideas. Follow Embolden Adventures on Facebook and social media. And subscribe to the Embolden Adventures podcast show on the podcast page of the Embolden Adventures website. Please rate the podcast and tell us what you think. I'm in the middle of the Amazon jungle right now talking to you about my second ceremony, my second ayahuasca ceremony that had happened uh, recently. And I haven't really taped this one yet. It's taken me some time to rest up and get my head around ceremony number two. Ceremony, ceremony number one was pretty profound. It was obvious to me that there's something pretty big beyond this material world that we live in. You know, what, what computers are in, what our body is in, what, you know, houses and structures and everything we physically see is the material world. There's something more profound, more prominent, more of a total oneness, this multidimensional, vibrant, infinite universe that's beyond the material world. And I got to experience it, live it, breathe it, feel it, be very excited in it in ceremony one. They say ayahuasca invites you in. We're now past ceremony two, and ceremony three is coming up in a few hours. Ceremony two is part of uh, a two-part ceremony that is cleansing. Ceremonies three, four, and five are going to be alignment or realignment of our energies. And ceremony seven is the kind of stitching up and kind of patching us back together and sending us out to the world. So there's a lot more that's happening um, in that's coming up. but. For me, ceremony two was a little bit of a dichotomy. We, um, we, we had a good day leading up to it. You know, we had our floral baths. Uh, I learned a Wim Hoffman breathing technique uh, with one of my ceremony participants who's neighbors to him in Holland. And we also had a individual consultation with the five maestros and the maestras and the other Shabibo folks uh, and the facilitators here to talk to them about physical ailments because as I said number two is a, uh, it's a ceremony where they're they're fixing us back up again so you know for me a lot of it's been um, back pain knee pain ankle pain you know some kind of you know period cramps and stuff like that my boob some pain there. So, um, you know, I talked to them about that and the whole intent of these next two ceremonies is to fix uh, a lot of these ailments through the ikros that they sing in the ceremony. So ceremony two to me is a little bit of a dichotomy as I mentioned because one felt so profound, two felt, first of all, it was more somber for the entire group, I think. And, you know, my, the person sitting next to me basically said he witnessed an exorcism within me come out. <laughs> the demon that was in me that kind of, you know, growled its way out and I purged it. 
uh, I definitely felt that. Um, and I definitely thought I was dying. Uh, there was a moment in this kind of psychedelic realm, multidimensional universe that I found myself in through the Ikros, uh, where I was basically, you know, ready to die. I was, I, the, you know, my breathing was being labored. I just kind of knew that this was my time and it felt like, wow, this is a, this is, this is what it's like when it's over. And it was really actually kind of cool uh, to see. But um, obviously I didn't die, I'm alive. <laughs> but to me, like I walked away from ceremony number two, feeling as if it was more of a drug trip, even though I've never done psychedelics before, I've never touched hard drugs. To me, this felt more of a little bit of a drug trip. One of my manifestations here is to really understand with kind of an uncontested, unquestionable faith you know, what's beyond this material world? What's kind of this oneness? What's God? And, you know, is this just a fabric fabrication of my mind, you know, taking ayahuasca or is there something real here? And I walked away from ceremony to a little kind of, I wouldn't say disappointed, but not as convinced as number one. And I think partly it's because, um, because I went through some base emotions and actually, It's, it's hard to tell, like I, I'm just, I'm coming in and I continue to come in with a healthy dose of skepticism, but at the same time, you know, we're in a world that's very skeptical to begin with. And we don't trust ourselves. We don't trust our inner kind of guidance. We rely on the external world for validation. We rely on people to tell us what's right and wrong rather than trusting what's within. So that's where I'm going through this journey of like questioning, like what's real, what's not, what's true, what's not, what's, why was I summoned here? What are all these synchronistic kind of coincidences that really have gotten me here? What's past life regression that I've experienced many times? What's, you know, these kind of spiritual gifts that seem to be brewing within me in terms of like visions and, uh, you know, ESP and dreams. So to me, this ayahuasca journey is a way of exploring, is this true or not? Am I making this up or not? Is this just a fabrication of my mind or not? So I think, you know, in hindsight, um, you know, the demon and all these other experiences that I went through in number two still are very much, I think, beyond what we are used to in the everyday life. And can, I can point to that this is definitely something very interesting to continue to explore. But at the same time, we're in a cleansing period. So we're purging, we're purging all the pent up energies, the negative emotions and the like. And so, you know, the, the purge, when you kind of vomit and, you know, there's all these other things coming out of you in a very violent way, um, is a spiritual release. It's energetic release. It's, it's a lot going on that the maestros are helping you deal with. And it happens through their songs that are channeled through this kind of oneness beyond the material world. Um, they're called Ikros and they are beautiful songs and they are the frequencies in which they hear from plants. So ayahuasca is this spirit energy that lives inside this ayahuasca plant as the Shibibo people believe. And as more and more people in this retreat with me are believing that this, there's some sort of divine spirit in the ayahuasca vine, and it's called to life through the Ikros. 
I'll show you in visual what an Ikaros looks like. Do you see this bag? See how pretty it is, the kind of psychedelic designs? So this bag was made by one of the maestras and I bought it from her. These little like kind of lines that are squiggly is what I see when I'm first going under after taking ayahuasca. To me, it's like kind of like these lines, almost like a TV, like the, the, the uh, fuzz in an old fashioned TV, the black and white, right? These are kind of very, very faint white lines and it looks as if the material world in front of me is dissolving. You know, this illusion is now un unraveling. And these actually are the Ikaros. This is what the maestras and the maestros point out, you know, Ikaros, Ikaros. And then they say some of the designs are ayahuasca. But now it makes sense to me. I'm actually in, I actually can see them singing the vibrations. And while they could be lines, they could be also um, like concentric circles, spider webs. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different kind of patterns. And as I mentioned in past videos, you know, they first start singing the Ikaros in unison in the middle of our um, of our group circle. And then individually, they'll, they'll break up and, and go around their circles. And we each get an Ikaro from five of the maestros and the maestras. And that's when these visions become more and more powerful. And you start to really lose yourself and you become one in this oneness. It's pretty powerful. So, um, but I started out with, a, I think, a quote unquote bad attitude, the, the second ceremony. And I think I was feeling like sick. I was feeling kind of irritable. I was very impatient. And I just wanted to get this over with because I wanted to like relive number one and be in this like joyous experience. You know, enough waiting around, let's just get to this. And so I think that in itself, and what I was saying in, in the first video is I did see like the emotions of anger and fear and hate but there's such low lying, low frequency emotions in this higher realm. And if you take yoga and they say, raise your, raise your vibration, really the vibration raises up and it's like the positive um, kind of emotions such as love and caring and kindness. So to me, I was operating in a low kind of frequency space last, uh, last ceremony. And I think that's where this demon came from. And usually they say, okay, well, you're going to face your fears and see a demon. Um, that's kind of one of the, the pieces to this kind of experience. But it turned out the demon was me. I was a demon and I needed to be purged. And, you know, I could feel it coming, bubbling up. Um, you know, I was being really resistant, like a spoiled little child. I kept saying, no, no, no. And, you know, kind of whimpering and crying and, you know, um, it was, I, I was, I was uncomfortable. And as the Ikaros, you know, got louder and louder, you know, Richard, the um, maestro, I was really irritable about him too, because I was antsy. I'm like, why is he getting up? Why is he going to go smoke a cigarette? Why is he, you know, not sitting down in front of me? I was very like impatient. And I think that translated because this energy inside of me was being resistant. As he's singing the Ikaros, I violently purge. And, but prior to that, I was making growling noises and snarling and I kept saying, fuck you, fuck you. And um, just really like base animalistic anger and energies and resistance. And so I think that's what was coming out. It was, um, 
you know, just cleaning, cleaning these kind of emotions of hate and cleaning out everything that was in me that just didn't serve me. It doesn't serve the world, doesn't serve people. Um, you know, when I first took the ayahuasca, I had to take a second dose. The first one I purged up right away. And then I went back for a second round, but it wasn't really working at first. You know, when they first started singing their, their Icaros in unison, and then when the first maestro came near me, um, I was being really, like, impatient, too, as well. But, you know, as I laid down, I could feel myself spasming my face, and I was snarling like this, like, kind of just clenching my face, and as if this was like a, you know, grrr. And that was involuntary. That wasn't something I did, you know, purposefully. It, it just happened. Just like in Ceremony 1 when I felt Mama Ayahuasca open my, my mouth and the, 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 um, the bird came in. When the first maestro came, maestro came to me, she was, um, she, her singing was putting me in a trance. And I could feel myself spasming in my back. And I was singing with her. I was almost as if I was perfectly in tone, tuned to, to, to her and with her, like a tuning fork. And every s movement I made that was like a spasm for my back, I'd be, so I was, I was uttering those sounds, you know, like you're um, adjusting some sort of stereo, like, like, so I was doing that to begin with. And then, like I said, when Richard came by, that's when the demon came out. I was snarling and growling and yelling, fuck you, fuck you. And then I purged violently and out it came. And then I thought I was a snake. I was serpenting, you know, the, the snake. So there were those two, those two demon experiences. And then at some point, I felt myself dying. I laid down, you know, as the Icaros was moving over to the next neighbor, I kind of like was running out of air and just kind of collapsing. And I put my hands out and those were the last bits of energy to kind of leave my body. And that's when that psychedelic experience happened. I could hear my brother go psychedelic. And uh, I could see myself kind of going like a roller coaster um, wherever I was going. But I knew I was okay because I had these rings on. And this is where I could feel myself grounded still to this world. And uh, where I was going, I could see like my old job, I could see old coworkers, I could see a lot of things I was purging. Um, I kept saying bye. I repeated the word bye, bye. I was making peace with everything. Bye, bye, see you later, bye. And I remember saying that a lot. And then I kept repeating the other two mantras uh, to surrender. And magic takes guts, which is what my yoga teacher says at Laughing Lotus. It's also spray painted on the wall. Magic takes guts. And that's what this is. I mean, this takes guts to kind of explore and experience. This was a massive trip, it felt like. And this is where I'm going back to, well, is this just drugs? Um, because it just felt like this multi-dimensional universe that I was in. And it was just, you know, one side was like this graphic black fabric that was kind of a sheer in one direction and that was this side of the brain and then this side was like the sheer was more flat but it had all these like 
um, like string theory. They talk about string theory has multi-dimensions and they were these kind of clusters that sat on top of the fabric and they were multicolored, like almost like greens and blues and purples and yellow polka dots within kind of the cluster of the fabric and they'd rotate, they were rotating and they were kind of spreading apart and as the ikros were being sung around the room, I could feel the, um, the vibrations of the sound really come into one and the bugs, the outdoor kind of jungle sounds, were the low-lying, um, supporting sounds that were in tune, 100% in sync. And as it con convened, I felt I died. And I'm like, whoa, this is what it feels like to die. This is so cool. Like, it was not scary at all. I was like, whoa. So the demon wasn't scary. The snake wasn't scary, which snakes are like my biggest fear. And this experience of, oh, yeah, I'm dying is, is not, wasn't really that scary. I was just really resigned to it. Like, okay, it's happening now. Whoops, wow, this is what it's like. Okay, interesting. But I was grounded because I kept saying magic takes guts and I had my rings. Um, I mentioned the Win Hoffman breathing technique. We practiced that, my two friends and, and Andrew, who was the facilitator, who's Wim's neighbor, we practiced that in the afternoon before the ceremony. and. It's all about deep, deep breaths. So if you take 40 breaths, you go <sighs> like that 40 times, and then you hold your breath for like as long as you can, let it, the diaphragm kind of be a vacuum and let all the oxygen kind of permeate within your body. You can start feeling tingling and then you release and you do it again. You repeat that action four times. And as you're holding that air in, you're focusing on your third eye. And for me, when I meditate, my third eye turns purple. And in this case, the third eye was purple, but there was a black dot on top of it. And then it started to like vein out as if it was like a neuron in your brain. And it got bigger and thicker and stronger, more profound every time I did this cycle. So by holding your breath and feeling the tingling and letting the oxygen get in through your body as per this technique, um, it helps you be more content with without breath in your body. You become more calm. And it's setting you up for a positive meditation, a more deeper meditation. And for Wim, it sets him up. He's the Iceman. He sits in uh, cold water temperatures. He like hikes mountains without shorts, or with shorts, I should say. Um, it also, he's also discovered that um, he's learning a lot more about the immune system than modern medicine, including like depression. He's saying that like your brain is inflamed and that causes depression. So by doing these techniques, put immersing yourself in colder environments, you know, challenging yourself to these uh, more extreme environmental conditions that the modern human isn't used to anymore, is resetting the body. And it's helping us be in a more meditative Zen state to get clarity and to get wisdoms that we're not getting because we're distracted by this material world and you know stresses and these base level you know, lower frequency emotions such as anger, resentment, impatience, all that. And I'm reminded that impatience, you know, this illusion, it, these are Guns N' Roses songs, use your illusion and patience. So those are two things I am using as well in addition to surrender and magic takes guts. So yeah, so I died and I woke back up and the Ikros were still going. Um, I was having trouble getting up because every time the maestro comes to you, you have to sit up and allow the ikros to come to you. You know, let the full force of it 
consume your body. And then, like I said, they spit that Ruida, um, very uh, fragrant kind of uh, lemony, you know, liquid. They spit it to you, and that's supposed to seal the energetic story that they gave to you, that the healing that each maestro was giving to you. They touch your hands. So you're supposed to be up and, and be receptive to it all. I was being still very much childish, like, oh, I'm tired, leave me alone, go away, go away. So I was doing a lot of that ceremony too. And then eventually I woke up, sort of, I was in a lucid state as if you were in a dream. And I started talking a lot, as if you were talking in your sleep. And I said, I predicted the presidency. I said, Mayor Bloomberg, Mike Bloomberg's going to win the presidency for 2020. That was, so mind you, this is February 7th, 2020, I said this. Mike Bloomberg, in my stupor, is winning the presidency. And then I go on through this tirade, and I'm, like, talking about how I think I'm going to work for Bloomberg, and I'm going to be on his cabinet, and it'll be the cabinet of plants, and Mike Bloomberg understands plants. <laughs> you know, the word bloom is in his name, you know, for God's sakes. And, you know, there's a few other things I was going through. My Japan trip, I kept saying Hiroshima carps and, like, you know, Tokyo and a few other things. You know, riding around on my electric scooter, this easy commute to Bloomberg's office. Um, talking about the Iowa caucuses. I was saying Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg. You know, I was just rambling. And then eventually I got to Donald Trump because... I mean, I'm not a fan of his. As a New Yorker, I definitely am not a fan of his. Uh, but I started kind of laughing because I could see him being consumed by an alligator. And I kept saying, see you later, alligator, as if the alligator was eating him. But he couldn't fit because I was laughing because he just was a little too big for the alligator's jaws. And, you know, I started, like, insulting him and making fun of his hair. And I was, like, being, you know, thinking how I was going to, like, beat him up and all this stuff. And it just, to me, was hysterical. I was having the best time laughing about this. So again, like, you know, I was convinced in that, you know, last bit of it, as we were about to go to bed, that, you know, Bloomberg was going to win and Trump was not going to be president anymore. And it, and it made me satisfied enough to just fall, fall asleep. And then I slept in the Maloka for the rest of the night until the morning. Um, we'll see what happens. This is where I'm like, okay. I'm not so sure um, all this was real. This was definitely a bit of a drug trip. So we'll find out more. Um, my mantras continue to be, show me why you brought me here. Show me, you know, what my calling is. You know, show me the mysteries of the universe. What's the meaning of life? Um, you know, help me have, show me how I can have unconditional, undying, just unflappable faith about this, about religion, about anything, a higher power. And I'd like to think by Ceremony 7, I'll get there. But in the meantime, this has been interesting. It's been superficially awesome from a travel experience. You know, I've, it's been wonderful like, kind of working with the Shabibo people. They're very sweet. I'm very concerned that they're doing so much on my behalf. And I, I wonder why. Like, and I'm thinking it through a lens of zero sum rather than abundance. And I'm thinking about it, you know, I was talking to Andrew about this um, after the, you know, the, the day after the ceremony. And, and he's kind of putting it to me this way. It's, you know, if people are of service, this doing this work is not a chore. And I think I'm coming from a lens of, you know, unfulfilling work experiences where things are a chore and I'm being used and I'm being, you know, exhausted because of work. 
and it's just something we have to go through. We have to schlep and, you know, it's the grind and, and it's unfulfilling, it's unsatisfying. And then this is just the life we are, right? But that's my struggle because there needs to be more than that. And there has to be a purpose, a higher calling. And it sounds as if these folks have it, are doing it, are doing it without um, any sort of regret or irritability. And I'm also reminded that this tradition, these practices, these wisdoms that they've really learned in the rainforest are many, 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 many generations within the Shibibo people. And they're very much isolated from the world that you and I live in. They've been insulated as well. And so maybe I could twist it on its head and rather being cynical and saying, oh, it doesn't fit the world I've been conditioned to think about and rather say, well, maybe they know something we don't. And maybe they're in, a, they're in an environment that allows them to see how we can't see. And maybe there isn't anything kind of unusual about saying I, I can feel vibrations of plants and I can be one with my surroundings and I know the higher powers that are these multidimensional universes, the oneness, this consciousness that we all are a part of. And they say part of these ayahuasca ceremonies, the difficulty is really the death of your ego and it can be quite frightening. And that's the last thing to go. And I know my friend Michelle had experienced it in this most recent round. She, she died in her and she saw herself at the most molecular level, the most kind of vibrational level beyond molecules and atoms. And that's it. Once you lose that ego, you realize you're part of this big oneness. We all are. We're all connected. All these synchronicities behind the veil, behind that lottery ticket I talked about last time, there's a connection there. It's perfect. It's a perfect, it's just, everything is perfect. Time is past, present, and future all in one. It's multidimensional, it's ever-expanding, it's ever-changing, it's oneness, it's love, it's positive, and you're forever alive and well. So that's kind of where I'm trying to get 100% certainty about this. I'm getting there. A lot of people around me are getting there. Some have done ayahuasca a lot more than I have in these ceremonies and are convinced. The facilitators, the two of them who are academic by nature, have been exposed to this a lot, have been researching this, you know, watching us, interviewing us, writing about it, pontificating, you know, theorizing, and they're convinced that beyond their academic world that this there's something real here. There's a divine spirit here with this experience. Now, I need to say the disclaimer, and I'm going to do this in other videos as well. I'm not telling anyone to do ayahuasca. I'm not. I don't want anyone to go buy it. I don't want anyone to make it and just do it on their own. I think it's a calling. I think this is something you need to personally conclude on your own that this is right, that you want to try and experiment or try and experience, I should say. And if you do it, do it properly. Do it with the Shibibo people. Do it with facilitators. Do it in a facility that is has the structure, the foundation, the blueprint around, you know, the right approach because it can be scary. And I've done a lot of preparation work leading up to this. A diet, I'm maintaining a very clean diet because certain ingredients can interact very poorly 
with um, with the medicine because the medicine is still lasting. It's going to be in me every time I take it. I, it's in you for another four days. So you still see things going on and there's still kind of work being done behind the scenes, so to speak, and within you. Um, you know, having pork is a really bad thing with ayahuasca. Having sex is a really bad thing with ayahuasca. It's, you know, the energies are being commingled. Any sort of drugs you do, street drugs, are very bad when you do this. Um, alcohol is another example. So I highly caution everyone to think about this if this is something you want to do. And if you want to do it, awesome. But do it right and do it with the help of others. And don't just buy it off the street in a ketos or wherever. Um, I would say just be very careful with this, but be very open, surrender, you know. And when you're ready for this, if and when this is something you want to do, I'd say consider it. That's my disclaimer. Okay, so I'm off to the floral baths. That's coming up next. Um, oh, by the way, that reminds me. Um, another reason why I kind of am like skeptical right now is because <laughs> The floral baths before ceremony two, I was thinking about Donald Trump. The, the orange flowers they were using, you know, we were talking about New York City and I don't know, we were on the topic. And so, um, and pl mind you, I have no idea what's going on in the world. So I have no idea what the news stories are. I know last I left, there was the impeachment trial happening. Um, the Iowa caucuses were, were starting. So who knows? But um, I feel like that kind of weaved its way into this vision. Um, I'm learning though, the more and more we, we as this group continue to talk with one another and think about what we experienced and share and like observe. And, you know, in the case of our neighbors, you know, I saw you do this and it was funny that you did that. Um, you know, we're really bonding here. This, this is a really good caliber cross-section of folks from around the world here. And that's the other question I want to know is why randomly are we all collected here at this time, in this space, in this moment, you know, from around the world? Why are we all summoned together is another question I'm trying to struggle with right now. So we'll see. I mean, I think it, this is a personal journey. This is a collective journey. And I think a lot of us, especially after that group session that we had after this in, in terms of the deep sharing, I mean, we're, there's no stone unturned, no, um, no holding back. People are extremely honest with one another in, in these group sessions about like the pain that they've experienced and you know, what they're working on and, and their hurt. So that's sacred. This whole thing is sacred. I, I don't want to take this lightly. I want to treat it with respect. And I think that base energy in me in Ceremony 2 was just kind of purging all that shitty energy because the Shibibo people, the maestros, are just so sweet. They're sweet. They're really nice people. They're, they're kind and, and gentle and welcoming and trusting. And this whole area, this whole kind of environment I'm in, it's, it's so just, I'm in this like, I'm in this avatar world. You know, we're so far removed from everything right now. And we just have each other and nature and Mama Ayahuasca. So I got to go through this. I can't stop now. There's a lot more to come. It's only been chapter two of a seven, you know, chapter uh, story with a post integration that comes along after. But thank you for following with me on this journey. I promise to continue to be as thorough and open uh, that I can about this. And, you know, and I'm gonna write about, I'm documenting this in boldenadventures.com, on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, 
you know, on my website. And, you know, I'm sure this is a journey that continues onward. Podcasts, I'm going to, you know, put this into a podcast. Um, and so I would recommend you reach out to me if you have any questions. I'm happy to talk to you. Um, because I heard about this a few times. You know, a few people who had done it had mentioned it. And it's always been in the back of my mind. But like I said, the world opened itself up to me. Right place, right time. Just a perfect opportunity. And I took it. So here I am, again, with healthy dose of skepticism to see kind of where where this journey leads me going forward. And I think all of us here are being transformed and it's gonna exponentially pay off and grow when we take it back to the modern world, the, the reality that you're in right now. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm in it right now, even though I'm talking to a camcorder. Um, I think you're closer to that re this material world than I am at the current moment. So um, yeah, that's, that's it for now. I'm gonna get ready for these floral baths and uh, Wish me luck for ceremony three. It should be a trip. <laughs> so yeah, patience, use your illusion, magic takes guts, surrender. We'll talk soon. Take care.